today we're going to end this series of uh, Proverbs, looking through the book of Proverbs, and it's about wisdom. We have studied for several weeks now. We missed last week, and you better be glad that we missed last week for snow because it was a sermon about laziness. And I guarantee you that everybody here that missed last Sunday was lazy last Sunday. Look at your neighbor and say, how lazy was you? How lazy was you? I bet. I, was you lazy, Mylon? No. Did you get out? Did you play in the snow? I seen your pictures. I seen you get out and play in the snow. That was awesome. Leslie got out and played in the snow. Um, Jason uh, Thayer from Kentucky Heights Campus, he came over and went on a sled down our hill and ended up in the creek and rammed his arm against a big jagged rock, and he thought he broke it, so he had to go to the ER. Now it's all black and blue. It's Leslie's fault. I stayed on the couch. They was outside sleigh riding. I was smart enough to stay inside. It's wisdom. Amen? It's wisdom. After after you get 20 years old, you probably shouldn't sleigh ride anymore. Yeah, you know, Abby's getting mad at me. She wants to still sleigh ride. She calls it sledding, though. I think it's where she's from a different part of the world, you know, Lucasville. You know what I'm saying? It's just sledding there, but here it's sleigh riding to me. I don't know. What do you call it? Is, anybody, is it, is it tobogganing? Yeah, there's lots of different things. Huh? It could be anything. Yeah. Some people ride on car hoods. I mean, it just, it's untelling. Um, continue to pray for that family up in Willersburg that lost their son while they were sleigh riding. So uh, continue to remember that family. He was behind a truck and another truck come through and hit him and he was in high school. So remember that family in your prayers that uh, God would strengthen them and give them uh, peace and comfort. Amen. There's always uh, pain and misery in this world. Whether we like it or not, it's just a part of life. And understanding that, that there is pain, there is misery because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the beginning in the garden, we got to understand that we need some wisdom to get through that pain and suffering. Amen? And as I was thinking about and pondering about this week's message, uh, the outline give me Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. So let's look at those two verses, Proverbs 8 and 9. So let's stand as we read these two scriptures, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. This is New Living Translation. It says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you give us wisdom when we ask. And God, I pray for the poor, for the needy, for those that are uh, unemployed at this time. Lord, I pray that you would provide jobs. Lord, I pray for those that are, are poor in spirit, Lord, that they feel broken down. Lord, in their, in their spirit, Lord, I pray for you to strengthen their spirit, man. God, I pray today that we would always be there to help those that are poor, that we would always be there to help those that are in need. As a church, as a community, as a family of Bethesda, God, that we would stick together and we would be there for each other in all areas of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. 
protect those who cannot protect themselves. It's called apathy. It's, it's where that you see the, uh, the need of someone else and have a desire to do something about it. And there's people in our community that we live in that has needs. Maybe nobody's been looking around. There's some people in our community that has needs. There is poor people here where we live in Lewis County. And as we look around and see those people, it's what happens on the inside of us is going to change according to are we going to help or are we not going to help. We need to help those that are poor around us. And as we see this, I want our children today to understand that when they're in their class, maybe they're at school, maybe they see a little kid that's struggling when they come to school, there's this thing called apathy. It's sympathy that, that makes a difference. That's where that you would uh, help those. So if you have a little friend that don't have a pencil and you've got two pencils, you should share your pencil with that other kid. Amen. Look at your kids' parents and say that he's talking to you. <laughs> you really should. You should help those around you. I remember this experience myself when I was in fourth grade one time. I was in fourth grade, and we went to they, Lewis County used to do stuff for kids. They used to have a thing called a circus. You remember that? How many of you ever went to the circus as, as a kid? The circus come to town. They come to school. It was awesome. The circus was here. And as that circus came, we went to the circus, and as I went, I didn't understand that I was poor anyway. How many know sometimes it's hard to recognize even when you're the poor one? It was me. I didn't know we was poor. But we went to the circus, and, and it, I got to the circus, and I had friends that didn't have what I had. Even though I was poor, they had less than me. And as I sat there in that circus and, and watched as they come around and they sold popcorn. They sold popcorn in these little things, and I had enough money that Mom and Dad gave me to buy some popcorn. And as I purchased that popcorn, I was sitting there eating my popcorn, and I looked over, and two of my friends that was sitting beside of me, they didn't have no money. One of them's parents was a logger. The other one, I don't know what he did, probably nothing. So as I was sitting there looking, and I thought, I've got popcorn, they don't. So what's the right thing to do in those moments? Share and share alike. So I sit there and I said, hey, would you like some of my popcorn? And what do you think they said? They didn't say, no, I don't think I will. When they're sitting there with no popcorn and everybody around them is eating popcorn. Have you ever been in a movie and smelled popcorn? It brings a desire out in you stronger than anything I've ever seen in my life. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. You they can cook popcorn two buildings away and somehow it gets in your ventilation system at your work and you can smell popcorn for miles it seems like. So as they're sitting there and you know how it makes your mouth start to water and you're like, oh man, I really want some popcorn. Look at your neighbor and say, he's making me want popcorn. I can smell it right now. I can. I wish somebody would go back there and pop some popcorn. It would it'd be good right now. And So I, I shared my popcorn with those two individuals. That's the right thing to do. And as I was thinking about this message that Solomon, King Solomon is writing, and he's saying, you know, that, that there, he's talking about wisdom in this whole book of Proverbs, and he's talking about that there's poor people among us. 
Jesus said it this way, and I think it's in John chapter 12. Jesus said that you will always have the poor with you. That will always be with you. There's always going to be poor people on the planet. I don't like that there's poor people. Does it bother you when you see somebody in need? There's one thing about being poor, but it's another thing about being lazy. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Ben. Some people are poor because of their circumstances, not because of their own effort. Amen? So we shouldn't live a lifestyle being poor because we're lazy. I don't know why we had to miss last Sunday because that would have been a good sermon. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't lazy. I hope not. <laughs> can I give you a little, can I, can I be truthful with you? Sometimes I'm lazy. Is anybody else lazy in the room? Am I the only one? Eric, you ever just have a lazy day? Just a lazy day. Where you, Earl, Earl's lazy. He's raising both hands. That's, <laughs> that's a sign of, yeah, pick me, pick me. I'm real lazy. We should have some lazy downtime. It's called rest. But there's a difference between rest and laziness. Laziness is where we are lazy every day. And that, that doesn't line up with God's scripture. He told us that we shall eat when we work. This is not an amen type of sermon, is it? <laughs> the scripture says you won't eat if you don't work. You ought to work. Simple as that. If we believe part of the Bible, we've got to believe all the Bible. We can't believe just the parts that we like. We can't go in and read all the scriptures about God's blessing, but then be lazy. Amen? He will, he will help us, and he will aid us, and he will cause those that have more to have apathy whenever we're in a circumstance that we can't get out of ourselves and we haven't gotten ourselves into it because of our laziness, God will put sympathy in people's heart to help us. Amen? That's what I want. So as these little kids understand, I want them to understand that as a family, it's our job as families to train up our kids in the way sh they should go, right? Everybody knows the scripture. Train up your child in the way she'll go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. One thing that you should train your kids to do is have sympathy. Have apathy for people that are hurting, that are in circumstances that they didn't get themselves into, and they need help to get out. You should train your kids to have sympathy towards other kids that may not be as well off as you. I know there's people in this room that doesn't have a lot, but you have more than some. Amen? So sympathy is looking to those that don't have as much as you and doing something about it. Not just saying, oh, I hope they get better. Oh, I hope they have something someday. Apathy is actually doing something about it. Let your neighbor say, you ought to do something. See, it's one thing to talk about things, 
but it's another thing to do something. And as a community of believers at Bethesda, I want us to be people of action, not people of much words. Some people has a lot of words to say. They never shut up. Amen? I don't want us to be a church of a lot of words. I want us to be a church of a lot of action. Because when we are a church of action, we'll make a difference in our community. So I'm going to pray this week that God gives us a vision and God reveals to us because sometimes things are happening around us, but we are numb to the circumstances because we've seen it for so long. Happened a few weeks ago up, me and Leslie, uh, she come up for uh, work and we went out to eat at a, a Mexican restaurant up there and, and I'd walked in there and eat several times over the past months. It's one of the Mexican restaurants. You can go in there and eat really cheap. She's got me on a budget. Because she's teaching about budgeting. So I go in the Mexican restaurant and get me a chimichanga. And I go in there week after week after week. And I go, I, it's just like you get on the, on the same path walking through. And as I walk in that restaurant and walk out, and they, she comes up here. And all of a sudden, we're standing there to pay on our way out. And Sandy, the secretary, who goes to eat with us a lot, she, she looked over and she said, has that always been there? <laughs> it's like a poster guy, <laughs> a big wood cutout frame of a, of a Mexican-looking dude. And she says, has that always been there? I never even realized or recognized it was there because I didn't pay attention. It wasn't something that uh, stuck out to me because just continually going through that same door and in and out that same door, you become numb to things around you. There's people hurting in our community that we see on a weekly and daily basis and we do nothing about it, that we see them continuously and we get so numb to seeing it, we don't even hurt anymore with it. I think we need to pray, God, give me a clean heart. Amen, like David did. God, renew a right spirit within me, where that I have sympathy and apathy for people that's hurting, that's the poor and needy that's around me. So I pray that our kids are giving kids. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. It's one thing to give because you have to and somebody makes you. And it's another thing to give because you see your two friends sitting there with you with no popcorn. There wasn't a teacher that come up and said, Ben, you've got popcorn, share it with those two. There was something on the inside of me because my parents was giving parents, and I know my mom's a giving mom, that I just, out of what God had planted in my heart, I knew it was the right thing to do. Kids don't. Act good by nature. Let me say it again. Kids don't act good by nature. One of the first words that most kids learn how to say is no. They don't learn how to say yes. It isn't like you, you see them and, and they're growing up and they're starting to learn a few words and they're like, uh, go over and sit down and be good right now. They don't say yes. So happy, Mommy, you told me that. They say, no. No. So we don't train them to say no. That's just by nature. We are fallen as a creation. When Adam and Eve sin, sin come into mankind, and mankind sins, and we don't do good. So man is basically bad. Mankind. But the same way that man is basically bad, 
now that Jesus came, it changed everything. Amen? So now he can give us a clean heart and a clean slate that we will try to act right. So if you want to train your kids in the way they should go, and when they're old, don't depart from it, train them to have some sympathy. Train them to act right. Train them to care about their neighbor. Train them to look whenever they see somebody in need or whenever they see somebody broke down beside the road, that you are the one to help, and you, you talk to them about it. Don't just do it and show them, but actually tell them. Say, here's why I did this, because it's the right thing to do. So when I'm thinking about wisdom, I've, I've thought about this this week. It's, you know, some people think wisdom is some uh, unobtainable thing that they try to grasp from way out in the distance. God's wisdom, it's so, so beyond that I can't get it. But really what I've come to the conclusion of through this message series is wisdom is common sense. Who was it? One of the politicians recently said that, you know, talking about common sense, that really common sense isn't all that common anymore. <laughs> Amen? Common sense ain't common anymore. People, people don't do things that make sense. They do crazy things. So we need to have common sense. If you want wisdom, do the right thing at the right moment, at the right time, for the right reasons, and that's common sense. It just makes sense. And even like the, the thing in the Bible, the one story that they uh, shore up that Solomon had this wisdom by, you know the story where they always talk about Solomon's wisdom? When a mama had a baby, two moms had babies, one of the moms was there and rode over on her baby, and the baby passed away. So that mama took her baby and switched it with the other baby for the other mama, and then they couldn't figure out, figure out whose really the baby was. And then Solomon comes up with the ideal, in wisdom, the common sense thing to do is say, okay, we're going to take the baby, cut it in half, and give it to the, the living baby in half, and give it to both of you. That way both of you got a half. The real mom said, no, give my half to her because it was really her baby. So the heart of compassion in her was, I don't want to lose half my child. I'd rather the whole child go, even though it's going to be with another mother. I'm going to let it go because that's the right thing to do. And that's how Solomon was proven to have wisdom in Scripture, that it shores that up. That just makes sense. Would I be able to come up with that type of judgment? Usually not. Sometimes I don't think straight. Sometimes I don't have the best judgment. Apparently I'm in a room with a bunch of people that's got perfect judgment or something. <laughs> I don't make wise decisions sometimes. Let me put it that way. Maybe you guys are Mr. Smarty Pants and Mrs. Smarty Pants, but I'm telling you today as pastor, I make bad decisions. Sometimes I don't use common sense. And everybody looks around and they'll look and they'll say, man, that didn't make any sense at all. Why would you do that? Because basically I'm dumb. <laughs> I was born dumb. My grandpa called me dumb all my life. I, that's just part of who I am is dumb. I want to be better, though, don't you? So the next step in life to get wisdom, let's make better decisions. Wisdom is knowledge applied. It's actually doing something. So if this message today, the conclusion of the whole matter of, of this book of uh, Proverbs, and if we're looking at all of wisdom in one big pie, I want us to see this, that Solomon comes to the end of his life. This is Proverbs chapter 31. This is the last 
of the Proverbs that he's writing down, the end of his life, he comes to the point, and he, you can go back and study in Kings and uh, in uh, Chronicles and see Solomon's life and some of the things he did. He was worth a fortune. Solomon wasn't poor. He was probably the richest man on the planet. Who's some of the richest people on the planet today? Bill Gates, worth billions. Oprah's worth billions. Donald Trump's worth billions. There's billionaires around the planet. The Koch brothers, Madoff, Bernie Madoff. There's lots of billionaires on the earth today. But some of them are set apart, and it's the guy down at Mexico, I think, was the one that won last year for the guy worth the most money. I forget how many billions he's worth, like $45 billion. What do you do with $45 billion? Yeah, that's what they ought to do. It isn't what they do, most of them. The rich usually oppress the poor. Amen. But you know what happens to those rich people when they oppress to try to keep their basket full? You know what the Bible says about it? They lose it all. They lose it all. So as they try to hoard up and, 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 and manipulate and do things and, and get more money for themselves, actually the Bible talks about that there's holes in the bottoms of their purse and that money drifts out the bottom and they can't tell where they're losing it to. You want to know a family that doesn't act on their dad's uh, way of doing business? Who? The Waltons. Not John Boy. Not talking about John Boy here or Ben or what's the rest of them? I can't even remember. Mary Beth and, and uh, all them. Yeah, I'm not talking about those Waltons. I'm talking about the Waltons, Sam Waltons kids that owns Walmart. You know what's happening right now? They have oppressed the poor. They have beaten down the people that they are paying, their employees. They don't even call them employees. They call them associates, right? How about you get, get the big herd on? Yay, Walmart. Yay, Walmart before you go to work that day. I'm an associate. Yeah, I'm a part of this big plan. They won't pay them what they earn. They won't give them a living wage. They won't give them health care. They won't give them pensions. Amen? amazing to me that we look at this and see that whenever there's rich, rich, rich people that they don't give to the poor that they somehow lose it all in the end. This is what's happening to Solomon. At the end of his life he, you, you don't see him writing about the poor early on in his life. He's not looking around and saying, well I've got all this gold, I've got all this silver and I'm building this uh, uh, big uh, temple and I'm building this big uh, king's castle that, that I'm going to live in and, and I, all this it was all used for himself and it's sad how many people on this planet lives for their self <laughs> so as Solomon gets to the end of his days the older you get the wiser you get for sure most people most people should look look at your neighbor and say the older you get look look at your neighbor and tell me say the older you get the smarter you ought to be you ought to act better make better judgments right 
You, you ought to do something better. You ought to get better with knife, not worse. You shouldn't get to the end of your days and look back and see and, and regret all the mistakes you made. You ought to be getting better. And especially this was before Jesus. So Solomon couldn't go read a, a actual Bible of the New Testament that talked about grace and mercy like that we can as Christians today. Our hearts ought to be different than Solomon's. Can somebody say amen? If we're going to be wise and we're going to have wisdom, we've got to act better than Solomon did. So this is where this ends. Solomon looks at the end of his life and he says, let's just look at those scriptures right there for us. This is where he's getting ready to talk about, if you read all of Psalms 31, you'll see that he's actually talking about women. Talking about his mom, talking about himself, his wives. He says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. And this is coming for the supreme judge, the king of the people of Israel. Speak up for the helpless. Speak up for the poor. Do something to help them. And he's talking about it, and you go on at the, throughout the remainder of this chapter, he goes into the next few verses here. It, he starts talking about who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find a, a virtuous wife? Solomon had 700 wives. Apparently he didn't have a virtuous one because he was still writing about, I still don't have one. 700 wives later, still looking for a virtuous wife. Let's see, that's sad. And I'm not beating up on women, because he probably wasn't a very virtuous husband. <laughs> right? So don't expect something of others that you're not doing for yourself. Amen? I can't look around and tell everybody else, you need to be giving to the poor if I'm not giving to the poor myself. I can't look around and say, we got to support missionaries to go and give and feed those hungry babies that Amy went down in Guatemala and she come home talking about, you know, spend a week sleeping on a, on a dirt floor and, and crying about those little babies for weeks after she come back because she saw that we live a pretty comfortable lifestyle. My life that I live is a lot better off than 99% of the rest of the world. And you see, that's one thing that bothers me is the Occupy Wall Street that happened to few years ago, you know, when all the, the people went up on uh, uh, New York to the stock exchange and they, they got up there and they camped out in that park and they was screaming, you 1%, you're, you're the rich people, you're holding back America. It's easy to always point your finger at everybody else and what they're not doing, but what we really need to be doing is saying, what can I do more? Who can I help more than I am right now? If I'm going to get better in this life, I'm going to have to do better, make better judgments. Who am I going to help? In 2016, who is going to be better off because of how I've helped them, aided them, not just saying always give them a handout. What if you go sit down with a homeless person and talk to them and try to coach them into believing in their self again that they get their self out of the ditch that they're in? What if it's time they need and not your hamburger? Uh-oh. When are we going to do something about it? I thank God that there's a couple young ladies up at the Kentucky Heights campus that's been going to the homeless shelter up in Portsmouth and actually serving. 
because there's sympathy and apathy in their heart that says, I don't want to just say and talk about doing something. I'm going to do, do something about it. They didn't wait for their church to back them up. They didn't wait for the rest of the people of Bethesda to lead the way and them to go. These are people that didn't go to church until April of this year when we started that campus. Did they learn anything from us, a congregation that's been here for 20 years? Or did they take it into their own hands and say, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something. I ain't going to talk about it. I'm going to do something. So as a church as a whole, what are we going to do? If we're going to be held accountable, <laughs> standing before God someday, it's scary. And as families, I think it needs to be done as a family. So rather than just the mom going to the homeless shelter, what if she'd load up her little boy and take him up there and say, here, son, we're going to go serve the people that don't have a home to sleep in tonight. You've got a million Legos to play with. You've got a, your own room. You've got your own bed. You've got a, a nice swept floor. You've got a vacuum cleaner to clean it with. You've got a broom in the closet. You've got all this stuff. Instead of me going myself, what if we train the next generation to be better than that? I think that's what it comes down to. If you want to talk about wisdom, if you want to talk about Proverbs, do we see and understand right now that not just that I need to do more, but I want my family to do more. I want those that I have a vested interest in to make better decisions. I want them to make better decisions. And I want us as a church to do more. Are you part of this church or do you just come on Sunday to make you feel better for the rest of the week? That's the key. I thank God when I go out and I went to the school board meeting a few weeks ago and the new superintendent walks up and, and shakes mine and Leslie's hand and says, I want to thank you guys personally your church and what they've done for our community during the back to school bash. I'm not telling you guys you don't do anything because you do. There's kids that's got backpacks and underwear and everything else to start school with that they would not have got if it wasn't for Bethesda. Bethesda Church does stuff. I'm not beating up on y'all. I'm just telling us we can do more. And it's not about money. I don't want to take up another fundraiser and, and just to hand money to somebody else to do something about it. Whenever we go down there this next year for the back-to-school bash in August, whenever the kids get ready to go back to school, what if it wasn't just two of us going down there and standing at that desk to love on those kids coming through the line? What if it was a herd of us? What if it wasn't just words or money saying, well, here, here's your little money, hope you get by. Not, here's not just your hamburger. I'm going to sit down with you and help you. And what if we would go talk to those counselors at school? He sounds like a bear. <laughs> he ain't that big either. 
I remember this old lady in, in grade school. When I went to school at Garrison, I'm, I'm from the tribe of the Garrisonites. And there was this old lady, I don't know, Kate, if you might remember. Miss Brown was cool, but this lady would come once a week, and she would cut out little booklet things that she made and stapled together. It had like the fancy scissors, you know, that does the crooked corners. I don't even know what that's called. What's it called? You probably know. What's it called when it zigzags? So she cut it with fancy scissors like that. And her name was Miss Grace. I don't even know who she was. Remember Miss Grace? I, we just called her Miss Grace. I don't know. I, she would come in the room and give every little kid one of these little notebooks. And that's probably who it was then. I didn't know that. So, but that's the truth. But we called her Miss Grace. I don't know. Probably the first name was Grace then. But she would come just about on a monthly basis and talk to us and come in the classroom. I don't know if they'd let this even happen today. I don't know. But what if there's hurting kids in our community that we can do something with? And what I'm thinking about is this. I, I, I want us to do something as a church. And it's been on my heart all week, but Dusty and Albie, Every Tuesday night, they load up two or three van loads of kids, and they haul them up to Ducky Heights campus, and they have youth group there. And there's some kids in that youth group that will not get flowers Valentine's Day. They won't get them. For one, they're foster kids. They don't have a lot of people to care about them. But I know that they know that there's one couple that cares about them. It's Dustin and Albie. They make a difference in their life because weekly and monthly and continuously, every week, they're constantly pouring in those kids. And they're making a difference. Is there anybody in this room that will even think about or contemplate or pray about going to the Albion Dusty and saying, I'll pick up the tab for some roses for that girl or some chocolates for that girl? Say it, somebody say it. See, we can talk about it. Will we do it? I'm hoping and praying. I'm not going to beat you over the head with this. You're not going to see it on Facebook for the next two or three weeks. I'm telling you right now, this is one warning or one, not a warning, one request, one <laughs> please, one begging. Do something. This is people among us that God put in our camp. And those kids, we, we gave them shirts that says Bethesda on it because they couldn't afford them. They're proud to be part of Bethesda. Are we going to do something or are we not? So if it's not just doing something 
maybe Dusty and Alvy can come up with something special because you probably do and do something for um, Valentine's Day anyway. I don't know. Maybe we'll do it there instead of, I don't know. You guys, whatever you want to do. But there's going to be people coming to you instead of all help. I'd rather them go to school because that's where everybody else gets A's in school. I'd rather those little girls that don't have anybody to care about them carry their vase of flowers out on the school bus and be proud that they're part of a family because somebody cares about them. I'll be the first one in line because we're family. The thing is, what makes me mad, some of these kids have been around us a few years and I've never thought about it before because I'm so accustomed to having stuff like that. And not worrying about others. I want to see more than I see now. I want God to move me more than I've moved now. I want to do more than I'm doing now. That's just common sense for a church to take care of foster kids that's in our midst that God has put in our lap. It's just common sense. That shouldn't be nothing special that we should have to think about and ponder about for a long time. That ought to just make sense. Let's stand together. pray it can happen even with the youngest among us. I pray that little Milan and Piper and little Clayton will have apathy. They would look around their rooms at school and they would recognize when people hurt and they'll have hearts of compassion to make a difference. can't even quote you where this scripture is but it's somewhere in one of the epistles and it basically says this it says and some have compassion making the difference some having compassion make the difference I want you to bow your head and close your eyes anybody here today that can say, Pastor Ben, I'm desiring that God will open my eyes to those hurting and in need around me, and that he will allow me to make a difference in their life. Is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, I want, if you'll just lift your hand and say, I want to make a difference. I want God to enlighten me. I want him to open my eyes to see those around me that are in need. And I want to help make a difference. I want to feel God's Spirit teaching me to do the right thing at the right time and the right moment for the right reason. Put your hands back down.
say 95% of the people in the room lifted their hands. It says there is a compassionate group of people. But I don't want us to get numb to it. So I want everybody here to just repeat this prayer after me, if you will. Just everybody here. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Help me to have better common sense. Lord, that wisdom would be applied to my heart. Lord, that I could see those in need. I wouldn't oppress them, but I'll build them up. That I'll be personally responsible according to what you've given me. That I will be a better steward in giving to those in need. Not just money, but time. A listening ear. A shoulder to cry on. Lord, bring those to me that need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.